Welcome to the Beautiful and True Project podcast. This is a place where we talk about beauty and truth, the things that are most important to us, the things that ground us, and the things that uplift us. My guest this week is the appropriately named Chad Soul, a Texan with a big hairdo, a big laugh, and a big heart. We talk about his spiritual journey from a conservative Christian congregation in West Texas to a super liberal one in Chicago, and how God talks to each of us in unique, individual ways. We also talk about Dolly Parton shooting his brother in the back and the thing that scares his dog the most. I know you'll enjoy this conversation. I love the fact that you get to like cut and paste what you want. (laughs) I wish life was that easy. I wish that I could cut and paste my conversations throughout life. I spend more time backstepping and apologizing for saying stuff without thinking. (laughs) Which is is so funny to me because you are in so many ways one of the kindest, most generous people I know. Wow. Wow. I got you pulled. <laughs> no, you don't. I said the most kindest, gentlest person I know I married. I didn't say gentlest. I said he's, most generous. <laughs> oh, generous. Yeah, no, he's not generous. He's cheap. <laughs> and you, if you realize Ebenezer needs a little mini fridge for some reason, you're like, done, <laughs> done. Well, there's there's reasons for all of that, so. Do you want to tell me what those reasons are? The reasons are, a lot of it has to do with the fact that there have been times in my life that I was incredibly desperate for stuff, that I needed help paying a bill or I needed a place to stay or, you know, there was a period of my life where everything revolved around drinking and partying and it didn't matter where where it came from or how I got there. And so there were lots of people in my life that always helped me out. And so I always thought that that was God's way of keeping me going. Because he, he, knew the, he knew the big picture. He knew what was going on down the road and knew that he could use me in the future. So he took care of me back then, and now it's my turn to take care of people. I love that. So... I am sitting here holding this Dolly Parton <laughs> candle. And I'm going to describe it a little bit for people who can't see it, although I might post a picture of it as well. It is this gorgeous picture of Dolly Parton when she's young, kind of looking saucily over her shoulder with her big blonde hair. And it's one of those almost like uh, those tall religious Catholic candles. And at the top in kind of – I can only describe it as country western font. It has the initials WWDD, which stands for What Would Dolly Do? And you brought this back for me from someplace. I don't even know where it is unexpectedly. And I treasure it so much I haven't even lit it. There is not one person in this world, especially in the United States, that does not lock Dolly apart. Everybody loves her. The, the sinners love her. The Christians love her. The conservatives love her. The liberals love her. There's not anybody out there she doesn't respect or honor. 
including herself, and I just always thought the world of her. Everybody loves Dolly Parton, including me. I actually, I have joked before that I think she's going through all of these surgeries because she's remembering her angelic form. And the closer she gets to returning to it, the more she wants to look like it. I always just thought maybe she just didn't want to trip over anything, so she just kept having it clipped and tucked. <laughs> uh, one of the things I love about Dolly Parton is that she does seem to honor and respect just about everybody who also gives honor and respect, but it doesn't prevent her from being a big old sassy pants. No, it doesn't. And and she is I – don't, I don't know why, but I always felt like she was one of those people that – if I needed something and I knew how to get a hold of her, she'd help me. I've just yeah. always felt that she's just got that air about her of there is nobody not worthy of taking care of. Do you want me to embarrass you for a second? Go for it. <laughs> I feel like we're also describing you. Oh. Yeah, but I'm not on a candle. My mom, the one who interrupted with the Thai food in episode one, she has some rather intense social anxiety, so it takes her a minute to warm up to people usually. And you just were having none of that. You just came up and you're like, oh, it's so great to meet you. I love your daughter. Come here. And he like envelops her in this huge hug and just would not let her be awkward. And now you are, you are possibly her favorite person. I'll take it because I think the world of her, the, the few times that I've met her, I've, she's got that genuine sweetness about her that I just, I love. She's just as cute as she can be. She really kind of but is. I, I know of her. I've, I've never, I've never seen the wrath of your mother, which we all have one. So. <laughs> she, okay. True story. I have only seen her lose her temper once and it was last week. And it was over something, one of the many things that Donald Trump has said about the the protest and the bringing in the army. I'm, it might have been the Bible, the Bible raise in front of St. John's Episcopal. I don't remember what it was, but she yeah. actually, she threw the TV remote. Wow. I was like, who are you? This is amazing. <laughs> It's it's amazing how much anger he brings out of the nicest people. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm happy to see you too. This has just been driving me crazy. I mean, I'm definitely ready for some sort of normalcy and being able to see people. And even even when you go to church or you go to work and you're in a bad mood or other people are in a bad mood, it's, you at least still are able to connect with people, and that's. One of the things that I've really missed out on. I've had, you know, I get phone calls during the week from a lot of our senior members. Don't play this because I'm calling people old at church, but, and they're just like, I just, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait for, I need a Chad hug. And I'm just, and I didn't realize how much this entire time, those hugs were amazing for me. I didn't realize how much they did for them. Hugging me is like hugging a futon. I mean, it's just, do you consider yourself an optimistic person? I see you as that, but do you consider yourself that? 
You know, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'll be the first to admit I go to counseling. Once a week I go to therapy. And I've been going to this lady for a couple, almost two years now. I've always been so optimistic about everybody else. Mm-hmm. But not mm-hmm. me. I've I've always, you know, like when it comes to Brian, um, I don't think there is anything in this world that he can't do. And if Brian is, is your husband. Yes. He is yes. the kind of person, I know, sweetest person. Um, he's pretty darn cute. He is so freaking smart. He is so responsible. There is nothing I don't think that he can do. He cannot close a cabinet door. I will say that. That, that is a real thing. <laughs> it really is because I, I keep – the big joke is, is we have ghosts because I go into the kitchen and cabinet doors are open or the medicine cabinet's open or something. I'm like, one of these days we're going to catch this ghost that keeps going through our cupboard. But, no, there is – it's when it comes to – I've I've always been optimistic about everybody else. For me, I I always feel like it's, it's the same old same old. It's not good enough, or it's not accepted, or you know, I've gotten a lot better at it, and I've gotten a lot better at telling myself to shut the hell up sometimes because I am mm-hmm. my biggest I'm my biggest bully right now. But I always find, yeah, and I have always tried to find the optimistic portion of anybody. Um, you you know, find the good some, in everyone. I, re, I try. No, I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it all the time. And I've seen you wrestle with it occasionally. You're yeah. like, okay, where is the good here? Where is, okay, there it is. I found it. And I do struggle with it because sometimes I can't find it or it takes me forever to find it. Or the opposition is so strong that I can't celebrate it. Mm-hmm. There was somebody I I went to high school, well, junior high and high school with. And um, our senior year, he put together a little book. And it was a write-up of each person in our class. and. Before you think that was like a massive undertaking, our graduating class was only 16 people. Um, I went to a private school in Abilene, Texas, but he he would he just would go, you know, this person I find this in them, and I see this in them, and I just remember that he wrote something about me, and he said he's the one person that always is against everybody else, and what it was is. Everybody was against him because I was standing for the voice of the weaker person. Or, you know, I was always, you know, I I grew up with a bunch of farmers and ranchers and football players, and they thought it was funny to do stuff to a bunny rabbit or something or, you know, do something mean to a cat. They would all laugh about it, and I would get upset and, you know, not have anything to do with it. So I was always the oddball. I was always the outcast because I always supported the underdog. Because I guess I found myself to be one. Mm-hmm. My grandma stole my, my dad's mother. The ugly duckling was always the person that my grandmother loved most. And I think I get that from her. Mm-hmm. That's not why I love you, though. 
<laughs> what a transition. <laughs> I, I don't know if I should be flattered or upset. Not at all. You need to be flattered. Um, I, it seems to me, knowing you, that this this philosophy of, or this, it's deeper than a philosophy. I don't even know what to call it, but um, that this attitude of this need to support the underdog, that it's part of what feeds your Christian spirituality, or maybe it's the Christian spirituality that feeds that. Or are they linked at all? Yeah, they definitely are linked. You always hear about Jesus taking care of the underdog. I, I like I said, I've always had that voice that has always pulled me back, saying it's not worth it, or you're, you know, you don't deserve this, you don't do that, you don't, you know, you don't get this. And I feel that that is the histories and the situations that I've been in telling me how to feel about something that I'm suffering with. I, that really was botched up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. But, yeah, I mean, when it, whenever I am, when I think of something and I'm thinking of how great it is and then all of a sudden I have this voice that's like, no, it's not, or you're an idiot for feeling like this, or I cannot believe you support this, or we're doing this, and those are the voices from the past or even the voices of now, and it's almost like they control my own voice. Mm-hmm. They become my inner voice, and I I have to be very careful to differ the two. The one thing the Lutheran Church does not talk a lot about, and that's the devil. Mm-hmm. And they don't, we don't. Yeah, they don't talk about Satan, and they don't talk about the devil, and that's all we talk about in West Texas is how to stay away from those two. I mean, all of our songs were about my favorite was The Devil Sitting on Attack, and we would all, I don't know if you remember, it was a VBS song, and it was like, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack, and then we'd all jump up and go, ow! <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up, did you grow up Baptist? Am I remembering that right? West Texas Church of Christ. Okay. Which is, which is basically Baptist without instruments. Right. Yeah. Right. No, 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 no music. No, no instruments. No symbolism. Nothing that will draw your heart or your mind away from the moment. Which nowadays, you know, being going to a a church like Ebenezer that is all about symbolism and all about tradition, I didn't realize how much of my my relationship and my religion and my practice and my faith all revolve around that. Around symbolism? Around the symbolism, because that symbolism helps my mind and helps helps me focus on what we're dealing with or what we're doing in that moment. When you say symbolism, can you give an example of what you mean? Growing up in the Church of Christ, our church had nothing. No stained glass windows, no candles, no nothing. Not even, actually, the church I went to didn't even have windows in and we called it an auditorium. It was not called a sanctuary. It was hmm. it was a plain room full of pews. And now when I go to church and I participate and we you know, we, we as 
Ebenezer has done a great job of balancing the symbolism and the tradition with the liberal, more modern acceptance of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. When we're sitting in some in a, in a building that's a hundred years old with beautiful stained glass windows and an organ, and I think it we feel more comfortable hearing what we don't want to hear because we're positioned in a place that is more traditional. And we, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that Ebenezer Lutheran loves to push the envelope to the point that I'm even uncomfortable. (laughs) But I also, those reasons that I'm uncomfortable are because I'm struggling inside with some of the same things that these people are, I don't want to say preaching against, but trying to open my heart to. Mm-hmm. It's a very social justice oriented. Yes, it is. And but yeah, especially the, in terms of changing minds and perspectives. Yes, because I have I have changed. You know, everybody's always thought it was hilarious that I am a uh, conservative gay. <laughs> Nobody. A lot of people are like, "There's no such thing," and I'm like, "I mean, yeah, I I am. I am a conservative gay man, and there are." things that I struggle with constantly. I always said that it was such a good thing that I was not ever a father because I'd have been a I'd probably be one of the worst parents in the world because of my double standards. Because I was raised by parents that thought this, but yet I did this and I you know, I've always been really lucky that I was not a parent because I think I would have just tortured that kid. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe or instilled early the idea that people are complicated giving people space to be complicated yeah we do very little of that on either side of the political spectrum right now no i don't people I don't do not I get don't. to be complicated they don't get to be on a journey and i i don't i also don't believe that either political party has any morals right now i i think that it's you know what? That's a, that's a pretty strong straight, a pretty strong statement, because morals are more than just what I was raised believing was moralistic. You know, you don't have sex before you're married. You, you know, you don't dance. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't. You know, and so that was being moral back then. Mm-hmm. But it was it was okay to lock your doors when a black person walked up to your car because that was just smart. That's what we should do because that, that we're in danger there. Well, so now that now the, the morals, the moralistic world in the church is so much different than what I was raised. It's certainly, I think for, for many churches more complex. Yeah. It's not as, which simple. is good. Back then it was, simple. It was whores are bad, Bible thumpers are good, feelings bad. You know, it, it was so black and white. And now that I'm no longer a part of that black and white world, I struggle with it constantly because things are not that simple. And that's why I feel like every relationship with God is different. You cannot have a model of what a Christian relationship or a relationship with God is because nobody is the same. And the churches that I grew up in and are, you know, 
still related to a lot of these people that go to these churches, it's very black and white for them. This is how it is. This is how it should be. This is how it shouldn't be. This is right. This is wrong. Well, this is how you relate to God. Yes. And that is not how it is because every single person is different. And so I've always felt that religion is more of a personal relationship with God instead of church. There's a lot of people out there speaking for God. And I think they all need to just back up and let him speak for himself because he talks to every single one of us differently. There are certain people at work that you talk to and you deal with in a certain way because you know how they are. And there are other people that you deal with and you speak to a different way because you know how they are. That's how God deals with us. God talks to us in a way that we can relate. And when other people speak for him, I don't, that just, that, that, I have a really hard time with that because for a lot of years I was told that I didn't have a right to have a relationship with him. Because of being a gay man? Yeah. And I, I wonder how many people who don't have a relationship with God because they were told they didn't deserve to have one or that they couldn't have one because of who they were. Those are some really big convictions that those people are going to have to deal with on Judgment Day. They're going to have to explain to God why this person isn't in heaven right now because they were told that they didn't have they didn't have any business having a relationship with God. And so I wonder how many relationships people have destroyed in the church because they speak for God and don't let him just do it himself. I like to think that if there is a heaven and there is a judgment day, that anybody who ended up not having a relationship with God because they were poisoned. Exactly. That that God will be like, hey, buddy, I get it. I'm so sorry about that. Come hang out with me for a bit. I, I totally think that's what it is. You know, it's not fire and brimstone. There's not someone sitting there banging a drum every time I sin. I occasionally have this radical notion that that if there is a heaven, which is one of the things that I find beautiful but have a hard time accepting as true, that if we if we get there, that everybody gets in. Yeah. Even the people that we think are just horrible, horrible, evil people that that God has a different perspective and a kinder one and sees the damage and the hurt and the the fucked up genetics and the Well and, and that's that's on that whole line of God knows God has a relationship with me. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm struggling with. He knows what I celebrate. He knows what I love. I don't want it to always be negative because I do celebrate a lot of stuff because of God. Tell me about some of that. I I know that you find Christianity and Christ to be beautiful and true. What is beautiful about it to you? I get to have it. 
What does I, that mean? I spent a really long time being told I didn't. And not, not flat out just telling me you have no business having a relationship with God, but everything always revolved around I was a sinner. I mean, there was a very long time there that I had a chip on my shoulder about who God was and what religion was. And, you know, it's like when you have a a relationship with a family member or a friend and you go so long without talking to each other because there was a fight and it obviously was a misunderstanding. I had a misunderstanding with God for a long time. And I missed out on so much beauty and happiness. Let me put this a little differently. I think for me, at this stage in my life, which is kind of slightly agnostic, honestly, the central message that we, that we, of Jesus that we get in the Gospels, to me, seems to be mostly about freedom from fear. Yes. We, we do not have to be afraid of the stranger. We do not have to be afraid of poor people. We do not have to be afraid of being robbed. We do not have to be afraid of the person that we despise. Uh, We do not have to be afraid of ourselves even. So that seems to me to be the central message. Um, You said yes. Is that, is that also your takeaway or is that, or do you have a a different sense? No, and that's exactly how I, I, I see him or her, him, you know, God and Jesus and all of that is that, like I said, I don't, I don't want to come down on the Church of Christ and I don't want to shame them or my family. That church was very loving and my parents were very loving. And, but that, I agree with you that it seems that over the years that people have started to understand the generosity, the compassion that God really does have for mankind, that he's not sitting up there pointing out the wrong. I actually think that from a historical perspective that's happened, there have always been at least two very strong schools of thought in Christianity and possibly in every religion, although I can't really, I can't speak to that. And one is a conservative line, these are the rules, these are the rules. You must follow them. That is how you relate to God. And that yeah. is how you develop a relationship. God lays down the rules. You follow them. And then another set, and this is true of the mystics of most religions, who seem to end up believing that God doesn't really care so much about the rules and that whatever is out there is almost entirely about love and connection and kindness and compassion and sorrow for your hurt. Yeah. And that's, Ebenezer has played a huge part in that for me. I I spent years not feeling worthy of his love. And then I finally realized that I deserved every bit of it because I had just as much to give back to him and to everybody else. And when you're told that you don't deserve it, then you don't pass it on. You kind of are in this vicious circle of anger and regret. 
Brene Brown talks about this from a secular perspective. I think what you're talking, what you may be talking about, I don't want to put words in your mouth, is a, a sense of really belonging. Belonging with something, something greater to something and and having having a really strong sense of yes, I belong here, I be, is one of the most empowering feelings that a person can ever have. And that is that is a feeling that I have struggled with my entire life, and I yeah. still do. I I when you spend your whole life trying to get the guys and girls in your classroom to accept you and you're trying to get your family to accept you, and you're trying to get the neighbors to accept you, and then now all of a sudden I've got to get this this God and this Holy Spirit and this Jesus to accept me, and I can't even see them, and they're not talking back to me. And, you know, so that's where all that faith comes in. But We are modeled that faith by the people that were around. Yes. Excuse me, I just burped. <laughs> Don't edit that one out. Um, (laughs) Okay, I think this is a great segue. Uh, So we've talked a little bit about you're from Texas. Yes. And from what I have seen, you have what I would describe as not a love-hate relationship, but a love-aggravation relationship with Texas. Very much so. Um, Can you tell me something that is... I was going to say beautiful and true, but I really want to hear a really fun Texas story. I know once you talked to me about the bluebells and how beautiful the bluebells of Texas are. Bluebells and ice cream, and it's beautiful too. Bluebells and ice cream? What? Bluebell is bluebell is a amazing ice cream made in Texas. Oh, blue I got bonnet. the flower wrong. Blue yes, bonnet. Blue Sorry. Sorry. Are our state flower and um, yeah, there there are literally two months out of the year where every side of every highway there are suburbans with their mothers with their big hairdos out on the side of the highway taking pictures of their kids sitting in the blue bonnet. I mean, it's just every senior picture includes at least one blue bonnet shot. Um, so I'm let's see a, a fun Texas story. I've seen rattlesnakes. I've dealt with scorpions. I've dealt with black widows, brown recluses, armadillos. You name it. Uh, basically, West Texas is Australia. I mean, it's just there are tons of things that can kill you, but yet people still live there. And and Texas, I think, like Australia, creates these really kind of amazing individuals. Yes. Like so many people that I love seem to have some kind of Texas connection. It's big hearted and fierce and I, I, I can't I actually I can't describe it. It's always called the spirit of Texas. There is something about Texas. When when you were raised there and I, I will let out this big secret right now that a lot of people don't know. I was actually born in Limestone, Maine. I was not what? born in Texas. I am a Yankee. No. My, what? My, I know. My parents were, uh, my mother is from Wisconsin. My dad is from Ohio. And we were military. 
and we were mm-hmm. that we were stationed at Dias Air Force Base when I was seven in Abilene, Texas. And so I that's where I grew up. That's we moved to Abilene, Texas in seventy seven or seventy eight and when you were you would have been what? I was like two, seven three? No, I Oh. Oh, thank you. You're older than I think you are, Chad. I'm, I'm approaching fifty. <laughs> you want me I to don't, cut that out? <laughs> yeah, no that well, you don't have to cut it out, but I know I don't look it. If you stay fat or chubby, <laughs> it keeps the wrinkles from <laughs> if anybody ever says, Chad, have you ever thought about losing weight? I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to look old. So I'm doing this for vain reasons. Um, I was not born in Texas, but it's funny. My mom and dad still live there. My sister, everybody is still down there. Um, they don't live in Abilene anymore. They live in Midland, which is even further west in oil country and that's where the George, that's where the Bushes are from, and that little girl that You're... fell in the hole, baby Jessica fell in that well. Yes. That was in Midland, Texas, too. I've seen the well. Ooh. Oh, I can die going, I saw a hole where a little girl fell in. When you go to Judgment Day, God will say, what, what is your greatest accomplishment? I, I saw the well. I saw baby Jessica's well. <laughs> Um, but no, so yeah, so Texas. Um, my family is still there. It's my home, and it always will be. Mm. I love it. Um, before we wrap up, I want you to tell me a little bit of a, about the picture you sent me. First, tell me tell me what what is in the picture. I love it. I when you sent it to me, my heart just exploded. But describe the picture to me. Uh, it is too. Say, I'm going to cry because <laughs> when I talk about either of them, I start crying because it's my dog and he's with my husband. And it is two, it is the two most important things in my life. And it represents a lot of stuff. There's so much going on in that simple picture. Brisket is cradled in Brian's lap, and Brian is looking down with such. Uh, tenderness and affection. Yeah, and Brisket is looking right back up at him with the same look. Mm-hmm. Brisket sounds to me like a delicious chunk of meat, right? And yeah. This tiny, tiny little Yorkie. <laughs> and he's adorable. Adorable. With the attitude, with the attitude of a big, mean chunk of meat. I mean, he. Yep. Don't tell him he's a Yorkie because he thinks he's a pit bull. <laughs> He will be 14 in the next couple of months. Oh. Yeah. It's, it, we're getting ready. We're we're starting to notice him lots more sleeping, lots more snoring, lots more grunting and farting. And, I mean, <laughs> and then he, what's priceless is he runs from his own fart. <laughs> no. Does he? He'll be walking by and do it and literally will bolt away from it like it scares him. <laughs> we sit here and just crack up when he does it. <laughs> you always know when he's done it because he literally, that's the fastest he moves. 
it's the two most important things in my life, loving each other, knowing that they love me, and also it's part of something that I never thought I would be a part of. And my whole life, I never thought I would have that. You know, you, you go through this, what route am I going to go? Am I going to have the picket fence and the suburban and the wife and the kids and be miserable and that not be a part of who I am? Or am I going to be alone? There were so many routes that were in front of me, and I didn't know which one that I would take. He's the most loving person and wants so much for me. And he also has introduced my family to a life they didn't know that they would be a part of. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad have a gay son who is married to a man, and they love him almost as much as I do. And my brother is a pastor in a church, and my mom and dad and all of us went there one Sunday and my brother was preaching, and he was cracking jokes about how his baby brother was there because at one time I shot him in the back because he kept changing the channel, and I was – anyway. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You're not getting out of this one. What do you mean you shot him in the back because he was, was changing the channel? It was a BB gun. It wasn't like a rifle or something. But I did shoot – and he does still have a scar. They had to dig the BBL, but he kept changing the channel on me, and I was trying to watch something. He also has a, a black spot on his foot where I jumped out from behind a chair and stabbed him with a pencil. My brother was a bigger, older person, and so if I was gonna if I was gonna strike, I had to take him down so I could get away. <laughs> so, so if I was gonna fight for myself, I had to I had to make it count. But so we're sitting we're sitting in this church in the middle of Poduck nowhere. I mean all farmers, cornfields. Um and my brother is up there joking around, he's like, Yep, this is the brother that shot me, this is the brother that stabbed me in the foot, that's my mom, that's why I'm wearing a tie today and you know, and he's going into this and he goes and he goes he goes, That's and that's my brother in law. And he introduced my husband, to the entire church and was very proud. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. It wasn't a secret. And we were sitting in the church with my parents, and he introduced us. And it was one of the most amazing moments of my life because I never thought that I would ever experience that. Not only have the husband that I love more than anything, but to be accepted by a family that I love so much. I hope you're happy. <laughs> One of the questions you had you had emailed me and asked me is something about I think it was the first question about what in your life is you live a Crap, I can't remember how you phrased it, but you said something about a rich life or something like that. Uh, I, I have it right in front of me. 
okay. one of my notes. It's, I know you as a person who loves people deeply and lives richly. I, I didn't quite understand what you meant by lives richly. Because I was like, no, I use coupons when I go to Wendy's. But as, I, as I'm sitting here talking to you, that makes so much more sense now. Because I do, I do live a rich life, but it's not anything I did to get. It, it's all been God. I just feel like sometimes he's making up for all the time we lost together because I avoided him. And I think that God continues to remind me how wonderful life is because he's in it. Mm. And how much I missed out on because he wasn't there for a while. And, you know, that's, oh, God, I'm not going to mention that horrible footprint in the sand. But there was Don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare. And you better not bring up live, love, laugh either because I won't have it. I won't have it. I think every house out in West Texas has footprints in the sand in a frame hanging somewhere in their trailer. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I do live a rich life. I got lots of people that love me, and I'm lucky to have a lot of people that I love. Some of them don't make it very easy. to thank Chad so much for being a guest on this podcast. He walked into this fairly blind, but with a trusting heart, and I want to thank him for that. I also want to give a special shout out to Ebenezer Lutheran Church in Chicago, whom you heard mentioned in our conversation. It's a place made up of a bunch of decent folks really trying to walk the walk. You can find them online at www.ebenezerchurch.org. As always, thank you for listening. And if you like what you hear, find us on iTunes and subscribe. Search for The Beautiful and True Project. I hope that listening inspires you to focus on the beautiful and true in your own life. We'll talk again next Sunday. Have a great week.